Praise God. Uh, I usually preach in 30 minutes or so. So, but maybe uh, anointing of Pastor McDuff will come on me and I'm going to preach for uh, one hour. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Don't you love him? Well, turn to your neighbor tell them, I love Jesus. I know Pastor Sunga will say, don't touch them. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so I'm going to make sure that you don't touch them, but you just talk to them and tell them, I love Jesus. Hallelujah. Tell them again, I love Jesus. Hey, you're not even looking at them, huh? Some of you haven't even smiled at your neighbors yet. Please smile at them for a moment. Eh? Teeth out. (laughs) That smile, teeth out. (laughs) Okay, don't worry. I want you to relax so that we can uh, take a a journey. That's that's very important. Hallelujah. Can I start by praying for people? I can? Okay. Okay. All right, so let me start by praying for people. It's okay, the mic is okay. I, will, I usually put it close to my mouth, so uh, this is just, you know, I'm just starting. <laughs> so the mic looks like it's uh, down here. Father, in the name of Jesus, praise, glory, and honor belongs to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We give praise to your name. In Jesus' mighty name. Glory to God. Uh, Someone, you've been struggling a lot with uh, diabetes and all these funny diseases. And uh, I I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone like that? You struggled your health. You struggled with your health. Anyone like that? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Stand here. I don't have coronavirus. No, don't don't look at them. I don't have. You don't have. Even if you had, I wouldn't have it anyway. So, please, Pastor, I'm gonna lay hands on her, and she's gonna be uh, because the Lord is gonna restore her her life. So, don't worry about it. I'm very fine. Thank you, Father. Please come. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for the restoration of her life and her body in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus the Lord is asking me to pray about your children I don't know something boys or something Um, thank you Lord thank you Father you are good please lay your hand on her In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray 
restoration even of her children. In the name of Jesus, let her children be restored. In the name of Jesus, let her body be restored. In the name of Jesus, thank you Lord. Just put your hand on her and she will be healed. And there's a restoration. I speak a restoration. In the name of Jesus, complete restoration. To normalcy, in the name of Jesus, complete restoration. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, be restored, you and your house, in Jesus' name. someone who is trusting God for uh, school fees or something like that? You are in school or you're trusting God for school fees in whatever way? Is there anyone like that? Alright. Glory to God. I tell you, there's something that's happening here. These things are real. These things are real. These things are real. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for that sister trusting you for school fees and education expenses. In the name of Jesus, I bless your name, Lord. You are the God who provides. I pray you provide. I pray you supply her. In Jesus' mighty name. Let it be done, Father, to the glory of your name. That it might be known that you have spoken and it is done. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, I was told to introduce my wife. She is there. Please stand. Uh, I had invited her. I just faced the, the people. Um, she's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> Please don't be jealous now. <laughs> she's my wife. <laughs> Praise God. Please have a seat. 
she she is a a great woman of God and a blessing to me, mother to our children, and mother in our church. Hallelujah! It's great to have uh, God fearing women with you. Somebody said, "Praise God for a Holy Ghost wife." <laughs> You find a wife who's speaking other tongues. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, it's great. Hallelujah. Now, uh, I want to appreciate Pastor McDuff and the leadership for having me here this morning. I promise I'll make sure I stick to the time. Probably 30 minutes. He's the administrator, so I'm looking at him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, but I'm, I'm so thankful that uh, you have allowed me to, to come on here. Uh, Pastor McDuff is uh, a very good friend uh, of mine and um, our family. We, You know, there are some people that you just want to sit down and listen to them talk. He is one of them. You know, you just... Uh, like the other day we went, I went to his house... And he kept talking about certain things. And I said, wow. Uh, I didn't know this. <laughs> Imagine a whole preacher. whole pastor doesn't know. <laughs> it's very good. But uh, we don't know everything, do we? Um, <clears throat> but he's, he's such a good man. And I tell you, there is one thing that uh, for me is always synonymous to, or when I look at Pastor McDuff, I'm looking at that thing. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've always known Pastor McDuff as a man of integrity. He's someone that, for me, I can admire. I look up to and say, if there is a man of integrity in the land, this is a man. And, and I always thank God for our connection. I appreciate that we are connected and he's impacting my life. In so many ways. Amen. Uh, I usually <laughs> refer people to him actually. <laughs> I have that habit. Praise God. God is good. So, I, I am so happy to, to know him and, and be here this morning. Praise God. How many love Pastor McDuff? All of you, praise God. <laughs> you love him. He's a good man. And his wife too. Now, the problem is she's Dr. Petey. So, <laughs> may I, I was to say Mrs. Or Dr. Mrs. Or whichever is good. <laughs> Mrs. is good. Eh? <laughs> uh, but, you know, in some, some places I say Dr. Mrs. <laughs> so, Dr. Mrs. Okay, whatever it is. Hallelujah. But he's... Uh, such a blessing to us and to um, to this church, I believe. Praise God. I don't have, I don't like preaching with a particular test, text that I can tell you. Turn your Bibles and stand, let's read in this verse and that. I really don't like that, but I just uh, uh, say what I have to say. Um, I am glad that this is a month of conquest. Uh, Pastor McDuff told me it's... Uh, 
the month of conquest. The Bible said that we are more than conquerors. Amen. Now, I want you to note that scripture. It's Romans chapter what? 8 verse. Verse. No, it has to be further than that. Is it not 28 or 20 somewhere? <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I, I, I'm not preaching from there, so no wonder I didn't memorize what it is. But, <laughs> 37. We know in all things we are more than conquerors. Now, that scripture, I find it very interesting. Because he, sa- he doesn't say that in all things we are conquerors. He says we are more than conquerors. Huh? Beyond conquerors. Now, do you know a conqueror... For example, if you, some of you have read history, there, there are people like Alexander the Great and, and, and all those other you know, fighters. Do you know a conqueror is not someone who wins one battle? Huh? If you win one battle, you're not a conqueror. You have just conquered one battle. You have just won one, one fight, isn't it? But a conqueror is someone who wins all the battles. He is consistent well, you may say he may lose some, but overall, he wins a lot more battles. That's a conqueror. Yeah? And if you say that we are more than them, imagine what Christ expects of us. Huh? That means we are supposed to live in conquest all the time. You are not supposed to lose a battle. Glory to God. And sometimes when you read these scriptures, you wonder, is God being realistic or these are just myths in the Bible? I usually say, when you read something in the Bible, stop looking at it as a story being told by someone to you. It is a reality. I mean, you must believe that God is real. And if, particularly if you are born again, you believe that the day, you know, they say that, and no one shall see God except he's born again or something like that. John 3 and, and verse 3. Huh? Uh, and, and so you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. And, and, and you, they say, you're born again. Now, I always say, if you believe that scripture, that you must be born again, you ought to believe all the, the scriptures, isn't it? Because it cannot be that one scripture is right and the other one is wrong. Yeah? It cannot be that one verse is telling the truth, that you should be born again. And the other verse is not telling the truth. So when he says that you are more than a conqueror, he is not just saying to impress us so that we jump around and say, oh no, we are more than conquerors. He's talking about reality. You see, the word of God is about reality. What God says is about reality. It's not some joke. It's not what other people are saying. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You are listening to me, aren't you? It is real that you're more than a conqueror. Now, I'm not going to preach about being more than a conqueror. Pastor McDuff would do that. He's a good man, I know. But it's, it's something that I believe it's, we need to wake up to its reality. And see that this is real. I have found that everything that God says is true. And you can live it. You can begin to live in everything he has said it is. God wasn't saying things just for the sake of saying. The Bible says that he cannot lie. You remember? He cannot tell a lie. 
In other words, if God comes here and say, there is a river here, a river is there. That means it's coming out. Whether you don't see it or see it, it doesn't matter. He has said it and it is so. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because God is true. He cannot lie. There is no occasion of falsehood in him. He cannot say something which is, he knows it's not going to happen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But I tell you one, one, one thing. I have found that although God has done all these things, the problem is with us. We haven't discovered what it takes to be there. Every Christian can live a successful, fruit-bearing life. Every Christian can become a conqueror, more than a conqueror, in reality. Every one of us. But we haven't found out what it takes to be there. If you dare discover what it is that you need to do to get there, your life will change. All of these people that are experiencing the miracles of God, it is not because they are any special. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. It says, but in every country, those who trust his word, who believe on him, he, he, they are saved equally. They receive equally. In Romans chapter 10, it says, the same God is rich unto all, both Jew or Greek. There is no difference. You may be in America or in Africa, in Malawi or whatever. You can still experience God. Are you listening to me? I usually tell people, the solution to your life is not going to South Africa. It's not going to another country. It's in discovering who you are in Christ. And beginning to walk in that. Experiencing the reality of that. You can be anywhere in the bush. And experience the reality of God there. Glory to God. You don't have to be in a particular country. Let me read that scripture. Romans in chapter number 10. Alright. Thank you Lord. Are you in Romans chapter 10? Look at verse number 12. The Bible says, no one, for, it says, for there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. The same Lord is Lord over all. All of us. And he, gen- he generously bestows his riches upon all who call upon him in faith. No distinction. You and me. The preacher and the, 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 the believer the listener. There is no difference. According to God, you can experience exactly what God says and receive the richness of his blessing everywhere, anywhere, in America or in Africa. Hallelujah. But you need to find what it takes. This morning, I want us to look at one very important key. One very important subject 
that I think a lot of people have, have neglected. I want us, let's begin to look at First Peter chapter number 4. Now, I hope I'll be very quick now. First Peter in chapter number 4. Look at verse number 10. The Bible says, As each one has received a special gift, as each of you has received a gift, employ it in serving one another as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. Good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, when you use the word steward, a lot of people already have an idea, whatever. But I like my own way. I studied that scripture and I found that what it means is very, very interesting. Yeah? He says that, <clears throat> sorry. He says we should use the gift as good household managers of the grace of God. Do you know that God has entrusted to us the grace of God? To use. Huh? And now, I, I want to talk about your pastor, and the man of God, and the like. I want you to understand something. That the God has entrusted grace to, to them, to a man of God, and he is a manager. You know what a manager does? He decides who to give and when to give it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Your pastor, Pastor Macduff, he has received a grace of God. Yeah? An enablement to open certain things in your life. To cause certain things to happen. And to make other things to lose you. Because he is a household manager. He has been given a capacity or an opportunity that he can determine. You remember what Jesus said? He says, as the father has life. So, so he has given the, the son to have life in himself. Yeah? And he says, and he gives it to whosoever he wills. Jesus gives it to whosoever he wills. Now, when you understand scripture properly, you understand that Jesus wasn't talking as God. Because when he came to the earth, the Bible says in, in Philippians chapter 2, he took off his majesty. He took off himself as God. You see, that's a mistake with a lot of people. When you read the Bible, the New Testament, you think Jesus is all speaking as God. No. Many places Jesus is speaking like a man like you and me. Because when he came to the earth, the scripture says, Philippians chapter 2, I don't have this exact verse, but I can read it for you. Philippians chapter number 2. Let this mind be in you like it was in Christ. Yeah? Verse number six, it says, Who, although being essentially God, did not think himself equal, uh, an equality with God a thing to be easily uh, grasped or retained, but he stripped himself. Huh? He stripped himself. He emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and made in the likeliness of man. So when Jesus was speaking some of those things, he was speaking as a man. And he knew his position. He knew he's the manager of the grace. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I want to tell you something. Your pastor. One of the most important keys to understand. Is this. Your pastor. Has been given the grace. And he's a manager. In this house. 
And as a manager, he can disperse that grace to you or to anyone. Whenever he wants it. The other time I was studying the scriptures. In, in uh, Matthew chapter number, number 9. Jesus was commissioning the disciples. He said, I want you to go and do this and that. Preach and, and the like. Now, go to chapter number 9. Matthew chapter 9. Let me just read this quickly. In Matthew chapter number, number, number 9. The last scriptures, the last verses. The Bible says... In verse number 36, he says, when he saw the throng, he was moved with compassion and sympathy for them because they were bewildered, harassed and distressed and dejected and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send the workers into the harvest. Now, this is what I want you to understand. When Jesus looked at the people, he says, they are like sheep without a a, a, a shepherd. I studied that scripture and the original intent is that when God looks at the people, when Jesus looked at them, he said he saw them as people who are being skinned alive. It's like Satan is skinning them alive. You know what? how much torture that is? Someone is alive and you're skinning them. You know, when, 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 we, when they say that the devil is a wicked spirit, it's not just like to say it. The devil is really wicked. Skinning people alive. That's why he says they are dejected. They are, they are hopeless. There is nothing working for them. He says they are harassed of the devil. Sicknesses, diseases, whatever, they are in there. And when God looks at the people, when Jesus looked at the people, he said, they need help. And I want to tell you something. God looks at the people. And many of us, God looked at us and he saw how much the devil is tormenting us. And look at what Jesus said. In, verse, in uh, going chapter number 10, he says, Then Jesus summoned the disciples and gave them authority and over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease, including coronavirus, every kind of sickness, including HIV and diabetes and everything. He says he gave them the power. Yeah? Now, go down. It's in verse 7. It says, as you go, preach. Why was Jesus, the first thing he did, he didn't give them an anointing to preach. He gave them an anointing or an authority to cast out devils. Yeah? He says to cast out unclean spirits. And to heal the sick. And heal every kind of sickness. And he says, as you go, preach. Yeah? Why? Because he has seen the people. I want to tell you something. When God was commissioning the pastor, he saw a people that need something. He saw people that had been skinned alive. That has troubled in every side. They are hopeless. And he said, I need a man. Now, let me show you this. In Exodus chapter number 3, in verse number 9, there was an affliction of the people of Israel. And the Bible says, God said, Now behold, the cry of the Israelites have come to me, and I was just seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring forth my people out of Israel. Well, this is, the Israelites are in trouble. And God sees the affliction. 
And you know what he says? Moses, I have seen what they are suffering. I have heard the, the cry. But I'm sending you. You mean God couldn't do it by himself? No. He trusts managers. In the house of God, they are managers. He grants them the grace. He grants them the authority that they can go and release people. They can go and release the people that are being tormented of the devil. God can do it. But he said, I am sending a man. That's why you never see God stand here and preach. Some of you have been waiting for God too much. But what God has done, he has connected you to a man whom he has granted grace for you to change. Because he sees your situation. He sees what you are going through. He sees how your future will be without him. And he says, I am granting a manager in the house of my grace, the manifold grace, to administer the grace to you people. To make sure that you are set free. To make sure that you, the devil can no longer skin, skin you alive. Go to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah in chapter 23. I give you so many scriptures. Because there is something that I want, I want us to, to have a clear understanding. Because I think that a lot of people have missed God. People say, oh no, I am going to be praying alone in the house. Pray alone in the house. He said, oh, I thought it's the same God. Yes, it is the same God. But do you know that I can stand here and cast out the devil and another person will come and not fail to cast out the devil? Use the same name of Jesus. You think the name of Jesus doesn't have power? No. Jesus doesn't have a problem with demons. If you are failing to cast out devils, it's not the problem of Jesus. Do you know that? Some of you are shocked. But let me tell you the truth. A demon cannot stand with Jesus. You remember he met that Gadara woman, uh, that mad man of Gadara in, in uh, uh, Mark chapter number 5. He went the other side of the, of the lake and met this man. Immediately Jesus arrived, the demons knew that someone bigger than us has arrived. And they began to run to him. They said, please don't cast, that, don't cast us out. Have you come to destroy us before our time? So Jesus is a demon destroyer. Huh? Demons are tormented. I, I used to tell people, you know, there are some people who merely cast out devils. And yet there are others who torment them. The demons, they know. <laughs> this man. They say, Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. Paul, we know. But you, who are you? Because they knew. Paul is a no-go zone. You don't go there if you don't want to die. <laughs> huh? But let me tell you. The problem is not the name of Jesus. No. The problem is not the power of God. The problem is you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because with Jesus, no demon can stand. And another person will use the same and get results. And another person will use the same name and not get results. Glory to God. Say, manage out the grace. From today, I want you to begin to look at your pastor as a manager of the grace of God. Jeremiah in chapter number 23. I want you to look at verse number 3. The Bible says, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of the countries to which I have driven them. 
and will bring them again to their fold and pastures, and they will be fruitful and, and multiply. I will set up shepherds over them, and they will feed them, and they will fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither will any be miss, missing or lost, says the Lord. This is a very interesting scripture. Yeah? He says, I am going to gather the remnant of my people. Listen, it is God who gathers people into a place. You people coming here, you have been gathered by God. Yeah? You should begin to see it in a proper eye. With a proper eye. God has gathered you. And he says, I am going to to put them together in one shipfold. And look at what he says. He says, and then I will set up shepherds. Number one, he says, he says, when I gather them in my, my, my fold, they will be fruitful and multiply. Why will they not multiply outside the shipboard? Because that's not where the grace is. Are you listening to what I'm saying? In a house like this, there is grace that has been given. Your man of God is a, is a manager of that grace. Now, he says, when you come to a place like this, there is something that I want to happen to your life. You have been struggling. There is barrenness in your life. You, you try this, it's not working. But the reason I have sent you into that place, your shipboard, is that you should be fruitful and multiply. In other words, you should become productive. When you are in your shipboard, you are guaranteed of multiplication and productiveness. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Some of you, you will never, you will have never seen heights in your life. Except you are in this house. Because of the grace. God says, when I give my grace in that house, when I gather you, you will multiply. He doesn't say, wherever you are, you can pray in your house and you will multiply. No. He says, when you come in your sheepfold, that's where you are going to multiply. Multiplication, fruitfulness, productiveness, rising in life. Is in the house where you're gathered. Glory to God. The things that God has seen that needs to be changed, that's why He has brought you here. Now, I'm telling you this deliberately because you need to know them. Because, again, let me say this I assume you know that the things of God don't work automatic. Do you know that? You have to work them. You have to know them and wake them. I, I usually tell people that I don't get sick. And people go like, huh? In fact, someone, when I say that, he said, you know, I usually take, take offense at that statement. I say, that's your problem. Yeah? Because I said, I, I don't. Why? This is what I consider. We were eating communion here. Huh? The Bible says Jesus, his body was broken. Huh? And, and it says that he was weaved. And, and by his stripes, we were. Not now, where? Healed. There, on the cross. There. We were already healed. There, then. So, when a sickness is knocking on the door, what is it doing now? Because I already received healing. And listen to me. I already got the healing. And the devil is trying to rob me of that healing. So, I don't entertain any sickness. You will never find me lying down, I'm sick. No. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because I have understood these things and I work them. So I am giving you this for you to understand. Some of you, you need to begin to realize that and connect to that. I'm going to give you some few other things for you to, to help you um, um, uh, get the, the maximum benefit out of this. 
Glory to God. So he says, your fruitfulness and productivity is attached to your shipboard. Can you say it with me? My fruitfulness, my productivity, my rising is attached to my shipboard. Praise God. The curse of barrenness cannot stand in your shipboard. Glory to God. Any kind of barrenness in every aspect of your life. I'm not just talking about barrenness in the sense of children, but I'm talking about barrenness in every aspect of your life, in whatever you do. There are people who try to do this, it doesn't work. Yeah, You try to do this, you have tried 2300 things and none has worked. Attach yourself properly to your ship fort and watch the grace of God, managed by the man of God, come to you. Glory to God. And look at verse 4. He says, I will set up shepherds over them. And they will feed them. Shepherds over them. So, the shepherd of the shepherd was not appointed by a man. He says, God himself said, when I have gathered you in my shepherd, then I am going to set a sheep, a, a shepherd for you. And they will feed you. And look at what he says. He says, you will fear no more. Say, no more fear. It says, neither will you be dismayed. And you shall not be lacking. This is found under the shepherd. The reason these things are happening is because you are under a shepherd. Are you listening to what I'm saying? They are not just automatically happening. It's because you are under a shepherd. He's feeding you. I usually say this. He says they will fear no more. The reason they will not fear anymore is because there is a covering. In any house, in any church, in any ship, there is a covering that has been given. And when you understand the covering, your life will change. I, I am not trying to tell you to do some funny things like people, people try to make you. I am just showing you keys that when you connect to this, you will begin to see a reality of what God intended in your life and what the scripture says. I know you can pray. I know you can trust God. I know you can fast. But there is a reason why he set up shepherds. He set up shepherds. It's for you too. It's for you. The effectiveness of your life the increase of your life is there. Glory to God. And when you clearly understand these things, your life will change. The other day I was talking to one young man we, we stay with, and he, he took, uh, you know, that, like there are mats in the church. So he took those, those mats and, uh, you know, sometimes... Well, many times we flow in the prophetic ministry and, and people are pro- prophesying and, and we are prophesying and the like. And he took that and he said, Lord, in, you know, in that place, there are revelations. So I'm going to take this mat and sleep on it. And I will see what will happen. From the day he began to sleep on not that he didn't have a bed, he had a bed, but he took, he left the bed and I, uh, he put a, you know, a mat and, and he lied there. That day he had Divine, divine dreams. Like prophetic dreams. And he said, every day I, I, I lie on that mat. I had a divine dream telling me about the future and the life. 
These are things of the Holy Ghost. Yet, the Bible says, remember, Joel says, after these things it shall happen, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your older men will dream dreams. It's after the Holy Ghost has come. What's the connection with the, the, the mats? Is there any connection? No. But what's the connection? The impartation. The revelation you get requires an impartation or an activation. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Many people have knowledge of things in the Bible. Some of you have studied the Bible cover to cover, but you don't get no results. Why? You need an impartation. And that's what you find in the house of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are you getting something out of this? Glory to God. You need to realize that although you may have your own anointing or your own grace, but there is something about what God has done with the, the, the manager of the grace in order to change your life. In James chapter 5, verse number 13, it says, Is any of you afflicted? Let him pray. Let me just read that scripture. James chapter 5. Where is James? In the Old Testament? Alright. James chapter 13. Is anyone among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is anyone glad at heart? He should sing praise to God. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders and they will pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, I want you to understand something. There, when he says, is any afflicted, he's, he's not just talking about, he's including actually sickness. That if you are sick, you can pray and you can be healed. Because the next verse, in verse 14, he says, is anyone sick? He's not sick in that sense as in you are sick. No, he's talking about, is anyone so weak beyond helping himself. You can study yourself. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about sick in that sense. He's talking about you are so weak that you can't help yourself. You need someone else to help you. He says, call the elders. What? You can pray by yourself, but you need an, another anointing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Many times in, when you read the scriptures... Jesus who talked to people in Matthew chapter 9 verse 28. He met the blind people and Jesus said, do you believe I am able to do this? He was not speaking as God. He was speaking as a man. Do you believe I am able to do this? When he went to his village in Nazareth, the Bible says he could not. Not he did not. He could not. You know English well. He could not. That means he had the ability. He, he, could, he didn't have the ability to do it. To do miracles. Jesus, son of God, he could not do miracles. Not he did not do. It starts with he could not do it. Why? They looked at him and said, like him, you would say, pastor, we do business together. Huh? We know you. What can you do to us? And Jesus could not do any miracle. Not because God never wanted them to receive anything. No. But because they never realized what kind of man this one was. Are you listening to me? Today, I want you to connect to this reality. God has gathered you in this place 
to change your life. For you to experience fruitfulness and increase. For the curse of barrenness to be broken. For you to rise, to be under covering. Have you seen your pastor? He's not afraid of coronavirus. Why? Not because of head knowledge. Some people think we are crazy. When we say we are not afraid. Look, I can't have it. Now, I don't mean that I will not follow what, whatever they are saying. Because, you know, it's, it's like I stand in the middle of the road and say, I can't die now and so any car can hit me. That's foolishness. Yeah? Standing in the middle of the road and say, you know, I can't die. And so you're waiting for the car to come and hit you to see if you can really die. You are a fool. Huh? You know, I've, I've heard of those, those preachers that said, you know, the Bible said that uh, we would take serpents and they will not bite us. And they took serpents, it beat them and they died. That's foolish. Huh? Someone said, oh, Jesus was walking on water, so I'm going to walk on water too. And he drowned and died. Huh? I'm not saying that I will not follow that. Like wash hands and whatever. No, but what I'm telling you is I can't have it. Glory to God. Say covering. Covering. Now, this is what I want you to do from today. Number one, believe your man of God. He is a prophet of God sent to you. And you should realize when he talks about prophet, he's not talking necessarily about the prophetic ministry. He's talking about someone who has been sent by God to, to, to speak the word of God to you. That's a prophet. When you read 2 Chronicles chapter number 20, verse number 20, he says, uh, believe the Lord your God. And you shall be established. But when you believe the prophets, you shall be established. When, when he was talking about the prophet there, he was not talking about someone who, who was properly a prophet. No. Check that's the, that whole chapter. The man, the spirit of God just came on him and he began to prophesy. And because he was prophesying, or because he was declaring the word of the Lord, he was called a prophet. And they said, believe the prophet. A man of God who has come with the word of God for you as a manager of grace. He is actually a prophet and you must believe them. Believe what they carry. Believe this man. He carries a grace to change your life. He carries something that will affect your, your life, your family, everything completely. Believe what they carry. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus was asking these people, do you believe I'm able to do this? Because he wanted them to believe. The problem was not whether Jesus could heal or not. No. The problem is whether you could believe that this could happen when he does it. Are you listening to me? The Lord was speaking to me the other days in 2 Kings chapter number 7. You remember there was a famine from chapter number 6. There was a famine in, his, in, in Samaria and there was no food. And, and the, 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 the king... Uh, and they went to the prophet. And the prophet said, by tomorrow this time, there's going to be such plenty of food. And there was one guy, he said, sir, even if God would open heaven, this cannot happen. And the man, the prophet said, you won't see it. You will see it yourself, but you won't eat of it. You will die. And the man died. And the Lord said to me, do you know the problem was not that he, he, uh, he never believed that it would happen? The man believed it would happen. But the problem was, he never believed it would happen at the time, or within that short time, the man of God said it would happen. That was the problem. In his mind, there needed to be, first of all, the, the siege be broken. When the siege is broken, then uh, there's now going to be some trade, and food is going to come, and maybe after a week, food is going to be so plenty in the land. That was his, his reasoning. When the prophet said, look, it's going to happen tomorrow, he said, no. 
You don't know. You don't know what you're talking about. And some of you are like that. Man of God comes to you prophesying or declares something. This is, I, this is what's going to happen. And then you go like, yeah, 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 I know. I have to get a job and do this. Hey, God doesn't wait for your process. When he says something, he's not waiting for you to fulfill it. Do you know that? He doesn't rely on your hand to fulfill it. He himself has the capacity to fulfill it. Yeah? But all he requires is for you to believe. That's all. Are you listening to what I'm saying? That's the problem. To recognize, to believe what that man carries and what he says is true. And it's going to happen as he has said it. The Mary, the mother of our Lord, when the angel came, he said, be it unto me, O Lord, according to your word. And the Bible says, blessed is he that believeth, for there shall be performance of those things that have been spoken to him. If you don't believe, there's no performance. It doesn't matter how powerful a man of God is. If you won't believe it, sorry. And that's how simply it works. You have to believe it. Are, are we together? Are we together? So believe what they're carrying. Believe the anointing of the Holy Ghost in their lives. Believe they're carriers of the grace of God. Believe it. Already in Mark chapter 6, verse number 6, from verse number 1 to verse number 6, where those people didn't believe what Jesus carried. And as a result, they failed to receive the very best of God because they thought that Jesus doesn't know what he's doing. They thought that he's he's like anyone else. He's just a man. But you have to believe it. Glory to God. Believe what they carry. Believe them. Believe what they carry. Believe your man of God. Believe the anointing on him. Believe that he's carrying the grace of God. Amen? Number two. Receive him as a man of God. Receive him as a man of God. There are some who treat people with contempt. Men of God with contempt. You treat your pastor because you you are friends. You can eat together and you think you are on the same level. Trust me. You will fail to receive something. I told my pastor one day, I said, sir, I don't want you and me to be friends. Why? He said, why? I said, because when you are going to speak in front, I am going to tell this is my friend. These are words of a friend. And eventually, I will miss what God is doing. Because I thought, my friend. There are times you sit down with him. And you are talking and he's telling you some things. If he is your friend, you say, no, that's a friendly advice. You. That is God speaking to your life. He's dedicating a change of story. And you think he's your friend. Honor them. Yeah? Jesus said a prophet is without honor except in his house. In his country. In other words, wherever he is honored, people receive. So if this prophet, if this man of God is here and you honor him, you are going to receive. And let me tell you something. I'll, I'll say the third point, which is desire what they have and demand, put a demand on what they have. Let me tell you this. In the kingdom of God, nothing works if you don't demand it. The anointing that Jesus carried required someone to demand it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? When Jesus was passing by, he was, he was going... Uh, 
is this? I have a lot of scriptures, but just I, want, I, I just explained to, to you this. When he saw the blind men, yeah, the Bible says, and Jesus was passing by. He was passing by. He wasn't going for them. He was passing by. How did they get healed? They made a demand. They said, Jesus, have mercy on us. That woman in Mark chapter number 5, with an issue of blood, the Bible says, when, when she saw her condition, she said, I am going to touch his garment, and I will be healed. It was not Jesus planning to heal that person. No. Jesus was on a mission to go and, and raise up a dead person. But this person, and when he saw this, that this is Jesus, he said, I need to make a demand. I am going to heal, to be healed too. It is the demand you make on the anointing that produces results. You make no demand. There is nothing that will happen. So when you have believed what they carried and you desire what they carry, put a demand on it. I want it to work on my life. That, man, that woman said, the Bible says that she kept saying, if I go and touch but the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. He didn't say, let Jesus lay hands on me. No. He said, I will go and do something. And the moment he laid a demand, the anointing flew. You see, you think that he's not a man of God. He doesn't have anything. Because you are just looking at him. You haven't understood. That's why I'm telling you these things. You haven't understood. He's carrying my grace. Grace to change my story. Grace to change my destiny. Grace to change everything. My productivity. And then you look at him. When you begin to look at him like that. You press a demand. That's why anytime you are coming to church. Say it. Don't just, you know, think I'm going to church. Say it. Today, when I go in church, the pastor is going to speak a word direct on my situation. Say it. It's a principle. What you don't say, you want to receive it. Some of you are too quiet. Too gentlemen. I'm telling you. The spirit of faith speaks. You can't say I have faith and you can't speak. That's why the Bible says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. In other words, you can believe, but if you don't say it, you are not saved. And that's a mistake that people have. They just say, I believe it. If you don't say it, brother, you are not saved. That's what the Bible says. It says, for with the heart, a man believes unto righteousness. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So salvation is mouth, not heart. The two, when they agree, they produce salvation. Don't just say, I believe, I believe. No. Say it. Next time or any time you're coming or you're meeting him, say, I believe and I declare that when I go to church today, the pastor who is going to do this and do this, whatever you desire, it is going to happen. If you don't make a demand on the anointing, nothing will work. And you will think, well, it's just one of those places we go to church. Because you're not placing an, a demand on the anointing. When you press a demand on the anointing, it will always produce results for you. Whether the pastor wanted it to work or did not work, want it to work. He may not even have planned it. But it will work. I, what I'm telling you, I have seen it. I didn't intend it, but someone said, well, ah, if, if I do this, it's going to happen. And, and I've seen miracle after. Not something that I planned. God is up to something. Glory to God. 
Now I'm going to give you some few scriptures. Mark chapter 5, 28. And Matthew 20, 30. Uh, that's Matthew 20 verse 30. And Mark chapter 6 verse 48. Just to, to understand these things. Uh, concerning making a demand on the anointing. <clears throat> After you have recognized it and you are desiring it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now my time is up. I need to, to wrap up this quickly. Number. Uh, this is number four. Connect to that anointing. And I'm going to close from this point. Connect to them and what they carry by faith. You see, the anointing is not food. You cannot fool an anointing. You cannot fool God. If you are not connected, don't expect to receive it. In Psalm 103, in verse number 2, you remember, it says, How good and beautiful for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like an ointment or an anointing poured out. On Aaron's head. Flowing down to the sleeves. Down into the feet. That's how it is. Now, that scripture is not just talking about the beauty. The beauty of uh, the gathering together. He's actually talking about when you gather together, what happens with anointing? The anointing comes from the head. To the, to the, uh, to, to down there. The sleeves. Everyone. If, if the head has an anointing, it's meant for you. If you are not connected, you want to receive it. Are you listening to me? You have to connect to that anointing. You have to connect to that grace. And, and it will begin to work in your life. That's how it works. You don't connect, it's not going to work. Glory to God. How do you connect to, to this, to, 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 to them? Number one, learn to serve the man of God. Learn to serve your man of God. Everyone who served Jesus, they are the ones who took over. Elisha was a servant. Joshua was a servant. I'm not talking about you taking over the ministry, but I'm talking about you benefiting. Serve the man. Humble yourself enough to serve him. Are you listening to what I'm saying? People don't like serving one another. One of, my pastor, one of our pastors in the church said, it's so easy for people to, be, to, to, to say, I am a, 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 a disciple of Jesus. And it's difficult for, for people to say, I'm a disciple of Pastor Macduff. So difficult. But when you check in the Bible, Paul, for example, he talked to the, to, to the church. He said, according to the gospel which I preach to you, this, 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 this. And Peter comes and says, be careful with that, that, what that man says. Because that man has a certain revelation which is hard to understand. In other words, there were things that he was, Paul was telling his disciples. And there were other things that Peter was telling his disciples. All of it was the gospel of Jesus. But there was something different about the two people. Others were following Paul. Not that the, the body of Christ is divided. It is not even for competition that you say, no, I'm a disciple of this. And, no. But to learn to humble yourself and serve your man of God. Serve your pastor. L let me tell you the truth. This one I'm telling you is not what he told me to preach. No. He did not ask me to preach on any topic. In fact, he gave me uh, the, the monthly uh, topic. Not what I'm telling you. I'm sure he expected, because I'm about to launch a, a new book, he, ex he actually said, why don't you preach from your book? I said, uh, okay, alright, let's do that. Huh? But this, what I'm telling you, is what God told me to tell you. Because you need him. You need his anointing. You need that grace he's managing to affect your life. If you are going to grow, if your level is going to change, if you are going anywhere, you need to connect. Glory to God. 
Learn to serve your man of God. I am not saying that you, you take clothes and lay them on the floor and you'll be stepping on them. Or that himself, you, he'll be stepping on your back. No, that's what I'm talking about. But learning to humble yourself to him and recognize his authority. Believe what he carries. Respecting him and making a demand on his anointing. It will require you serve under him. Be a servant. Elisha was reputed to be a man who poured water on the prophets. That's all. Joshua was a servant, just a mere servant. You will never rise above what you say and what you honor. The anointing you honor is what benefits you. David honored the kingly anointing. He said, you can't touch the anointed one. Anyone who tried to touch Saul, he said, no, you can't. But he's a sinner. He has sinned, yes, but you can't touch the anointed. Why? He respected that anointing. No wonder David became a king. You can't benefit from an anointing you can't respect. Oh, pastor, pray for me. Yet, behind, you don't honor him. It will not work. You want for anyone. You want for God. You want for the anointing. Glory to God. Number two, learn to defend your pastor. Don't be in the group of people that are always talking bad about, ah, you know, that pastor is not as anointed as I thought. Well, you are here. You want that anointing. You want it to work for you, yet you are insulting him. It doesn't work. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse number 20, the Bible says that don't say even a bad word against the king, even in your bedchamber, because a bird of the sky will take that word and deliver it. So in your heart, you learn to honor the man, respect the man, and connect to the man. Whether you are too anointed or you're not anointed, but there is a reason why you are under him. There is a reason why you are under the house. There is a reason. Glory to God. Number three, learn to hear their instructions. The transference of the spirit is by hearing. Ezekiel in chapter number, I believe chapter number one, verse number two, the Bible says, and the spirit entered into me as he spoke. When he was speaking, the spirit entered into him. Any person you you listen to intently, his spirit enters into you. His anointing enters into you. Sometimes I study the Bible, not because I have the luxury of time or anything, but because I want the spirit in that place. And I keep reading it. I keep reading it. Sometimes I'll, I'll give myself target, at least today, not less than five chapters a day. Huh? Because I want the spirit. You won't get the spirit without the word receiving instructions. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter number 4 verse 13, it says it is better... Yeah? To listen to instruction that to be a fool. You are fooling yourself if you can't sit under him. Age is not an issue to God. What matters is what he has put inside him, of him. He may be young, he may be old. Some of you, I'm, 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 I'm younger than you. But the anointing that I carry, what God has deposited in me, and the management of the grace determines what I can say and what God wants to do for you. Age is not an issue. Glory to God. So submit yourself. Hear his instructions. Let me, let me say, uh, let me give another one. On that point, number four. Become dependable in church or anywhere. Don't be a person the pastor can depend. I know how one of the hurtful things from every man of God is to find people who are dependable. Loyalty. I teach this in our church. You have to be loyal. The whole body of Christ will be better today 
If we would be loyal to our man of God, our pastor. Be loyal, be dependable. The Bible speaks about Titus in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 13. Paul says, when I went to the place, I found that the door was opened for me. But because I didn't find Titus, I said, no, let me go. So God had opened a door for the gospel. He was supposed to preach. But there was no dependable person there. Titus. And he said, I'm going to leave. Although door has been opened, but I'm going to leave. Why? There was someone who needed to be dependable. Be dependable. Be loyal to your pastor. Let your pastor trust you. In 2 Timothy chapter number 4, in verse number 11. Paul the apostle says the same thing concerning another, another, another son. He says, bring that son here. He is profitable in my ministry. Huh? Profitable in my ministry. Second Timothy chapter number 4 verse number 11. He says, get Mark and bring him with you. He is very helpful for me in the ministry. You need to become a dependable person. If you want these things to work, they're great. The anointing he carries. The the gifts of God he's managing. Learn to be dependable. Loyal to the man of God. Loyal to your pastor. Let him depend on you. Be profitable. Don't be a thorn in the flesh. Hebrews in chapter number 13. Verse 17. Let me read this one quickly. Hebrews in chapter number 13. Verse 17, the Bible says, I know I'm out of time, but let me just, I'm, I'm almost finishing. It says, obey your spiritual leaders or sub, and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. For that will be unprofitable for you. In other words, if your pastor is complaining about, about you, it's unprofitable for you, not for him. You can sit here. Now, listen to me very carefully. I have been... I have been a pastor for a few years and what I've noticed is very interesting. I have seen people come in the church and their level change. Life completely change. Yet others have stayed with me for a longer time. They haven't gotten anything. Their life is the same. And I go to God. God, I need their lives to change. But you know what? You can't fool God. You can't fool them. You want a change of life? You want to to, to connect with what God is saying. Become dependable and helpful. Glory to God. Let me say the last point. And then I'm going to, to finish here. The most controversial one. Share gifts with your man of God. This is very controversial. Share gifts. Give them. Don't just give in church. It's good to give in church. But even to share with the man of God, it's important. Let me show you this. I'll read a couple of scriptures and then uh, this will be the end. Galatians chapter number 6. Maybe the music man can, can come. The music, the instrumentalist. Galatians in chapter 6. Praise God. Where's Galatians. See, when you are trying to close quickly, and then you can't find Galatians. (laughs) Galatians in chapter number 6. The Bible says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived or deluded. Now, let's start from verse number 6. It says, let him who receive instructions in the word. 
Huh? Let him that is taught in the word share all good things with the one who teaches him. Huh? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For what a man uh, uh, reaps whatever he sows. So sharing, giving gifts to a man of God. You are connecting with him. It's a scripture. Not what I'm saying. And I can guarantee you he's not looking for your gift either. I tell people, you know, me, I, I was, I've been a professional. I have, I have a degree and, and I'm a proper professional. Yeah? And I tell people, I don't need your money. If God has failed to bless me in my profession, huh? why should I believe that he sh- he's going to bless me here? Huh? I, was, I was running my things. Running my own business. Pastor Sunga knows. Pastor McDuff knows. And a couple other people know. I was running my own things. Why do I have to do the ministry? You think it's because I'm looking for money? No. In fact, if you had known the sacrifices that your man of God gives to the ministry, you wouldn't have said what people say. Oh no, he's just saying it because he wants an offering. What offering? I don't need your offering. Huh? And let me tell you the truth. God doesn't need your offering either. I mean, the creator of the whole universe needs your money. What for? He says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't even tell you. Psalm chapter number 15, I think verse number 10. If I were hungry, I wouldn't even tell you. Because I own everything. So don't fool yourself. Sharing the gift, sharing uh, 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 an offering with the man of God is not for the benefit of the man of God. Now, I'm going to read now Philippians chapter 1. I'll, I'll close from here. Philippians Let's start in chapter number 4. And then we'll go to chapter number 1. Verse number 10, it says, I was made very happy in the Lord. That now you have revived your interest in my warfare. After so long a time, you were indeed thinking of me, but you had no opportunity to show it. Not that I'm implying that I was in a personal want or that I'm looking for a gift. For I have learned to be content. Yeah? In all circumstances, I know how to get along when, with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and uh, going hungry, both having abundance and suffering. So I'm not looking for your gift. I'm not looking for your offering. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my afflictions. For you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. Yeah? If I read it in the Amplified, it says, uh, in verse number, number 13, it says, or rather, verse number 15 says, And you, Philippians, yourself, well know that in the early days of the gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me and opened up a debit and credit account in giving and receiving except for you. So it's your account. huh? Your debit and credit account. You think God doesn't know finances. He knows very well. He's smarter than you. (laughs) Amen. So he says, what you opened when you were giving to me is a debit and credit account. Now, I want you to notice something. Go to chapter 1, verse number 7. He says, it is right and appropriate for me to have this confidence and feel this way about you because you have, uh, you have me in your heart and I hold you in my heart as partakers of this grace. 
Huh? It says, we, you are sharing in my grace. Why is he telling them like this? Because they gave a gift to him. They gave an offering to Paul. And he said, because you gave an offering, an offering to me, you are sharing in my grace. You want to share in the grace of Pastor Magdal? Give. Connect to him in that manner. That's how you share the grace. Are you listening to what I'm saying? This is not my gospel. This is scripture. This is how you connect. Share gifts with the man of God. You know, when he, he talked to the Corinthian church, if you, you, you know this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, in verse number 8, he says this, he says, and my God is able to cause all, he says, and God is able to cause all grace to abound towards you so that you should have all sufficiency in all things. And he, and, and he goes on and on. He was talking to about talking to a Corinthian church because they had given an offering to the, uh, the, the believers in Jerusalem. And he said, God is able to do this. But when he talks to the uh, Philippian church, who had given an offering to him, you know what he says? He says, and my God, we will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Do you notice the difference? In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, he's talking about the ability of God. You, you know, it's, it's another thing for someone to have money and be able to bless you. And an, another thing for him to actually be willing and take the money and give you. Do you know that? Many people have good things. Yeah? And they can give you. But they don't have the willingness. So, in, in 2 Corinthians it says, and, my, and, and God is he's able. He is able. He can cause it to happen. But with regard to your giving to me, he says, my God will. You need a God who will. And he doesn't speak about something. He says, my God, not another God. In other words, he's saying, the God in the way I know him and the revelation I have received concerning him, he is going to supply your needs. Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet, please. If you want your life to change, experience the fullness of the blessing of God the reality and the grace of God that grace is available but connecting yourself in your shepherd and the shepherd appointed for you the manager of the grace of God is highly important for you now I want you to pray for yourself now say father in Jesus name open my heart open my heart to believe your servant to believe your servant. To desire what he carry. To make a demand on the anointing. And to experience the fullness. Of the blessing. To experience. Fruitfulness. A covering of protection. And increase in my life. In the name of Jesus. Let it be father. Now, just say something concerning what you've heard this morning. Say something, pray, pray, as I as I close. Pray. Ask God to help you. Ask God to open your eyes. Ask Him to open your eyes. See the things that I'm talking about. You have to study and find out. Let your eyes be open that you can be a dependable person. That you can save your man of God. You can connect with your man of God. You can honor with your man of God and. Get 
everything God intended you to get in this house. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you this morning because of the word you have spoken to each and every one of us. Thank you because your word is true and your word can never change. Thank you that you are a God who cannot be mocked. You say and you mean it. You cannot change your word. Your word cannot be broken. Thank you for your word, oh God. In the name of Jesus, thank you that this word is as it has come forth to your people. is bringing a transformation in the church. Transformation in the hearts of people. In the name of Jesus, so that they begin to experience the grace you have apportioned to this house in the name of Jesus. I am praying, oh Father, for a spirit of unity, a spirit of loyalty. In the name of Jesus, every disloyalty, every disunity, I curse it in the name of Jesus. I curse it in the name of Jesus. Every seed of disunity, every seed of of disloyalty, I am cursing it now in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I pray that from today the anointing will reach on every person, will reach every brother, every sister, everybody connected, and they will benefit from the grace given to this house from you through your manager in the name of Jesus Christ. I give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As you lift your hands, just bless his name.